0: Um, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. Uh, we're going to look at a book, and uh, in, in, in the Old Testament. And what we're going to see is some things that pertain to young people, because we've got some young people. And this pertains to young people, but it's also going to pertain to us older folks, to the middle-aged folks, and then us older ones that are up over the hill, down in the valley, and you know, and, and all that. And so. Uh, Uh, Let's look to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get into what we're going to do. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessings that you've given us, and we do thank you for our missionaries, um, and we're so thankful that they're willing to uh, keep on keeping on, and we just pray that you bless them, and Lord, we ask that you put a blessing on the message tonight. It's your word, and uh, give us wisdom and clarity and just just guide, and may it touch our hearts, we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to move this out of the way. That thing scares me. Okay, I want you to turn, I want you to first turn to the book of 2 Chronicles. So we're going to start there, but that's not our text. Actually, what we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. But I want us to show, uh, I want us to show where it all started. Uh, Second Chronicles. Okay, you've got uh, some divisions. It talks about the the kingdoms, the kings and the kingdoms of Israel. Chronicles is is the chronicle of those kings. And uh, we're going to look at one in particular, and his name is Solomon. Now, Solomon Solomon was uh, David's son through Bathsheba. Now, I bring that out to show you that, you know, God always shows mercy in everything. And we can, we can fall into sin. There's not a person in this room that cannot uh, get away from falling into sin. We get our eyes off of the Lord, and the flesh takes hold. The Bible says, you know, we have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, and we're all susceptible to that. Can you say amen? amen. Okay. And, and uh, the, the younger you are, the more susceptible you are to it. But it still hits us old, old folks, too. And uh, you know, our eyes see things, and we begin to lust, the flush, the, the flush. The flesh begins to desire things that sometimes it shouldn't have, and there, then there's pride that pops up. And uh, we find that uh, David uh, fell into that. Now David, the Bible, says that David was a man after God's own heart. God used David to write uh, uh, many of the psalms. He was called the psalmist, David. Uh, Psalms, you know, they sung. Uh, he was a godly man. He followed after, after the Lord. But he was human. And we've seen in the past that there were things that he did that he shouldn't have done. He got in the flesh. Uh, he had a little bit of a temper. Uh, any, anybody in here have a little bit of a temper problem? I have to raise my hand. I've got a little bit of a temper problem. I've had it all my life. And it, every once in a while, it crops up. It's not as bad as it used to be. Uh, used to, um, I would have uh, tools that I would uh, lose. And the reason why I would lose those tools is I would get so mad, I would throw them up against the walls in the garage, and it would break the sheetrock and, and drop down, and then I wouldn't have them anymore. You know, uh, there were uh, pieces of furniture that we lost because of my temper. My temper. Okay, and, um, you know, it was, it was pretty rough, and I've had to work on it all my life, and even now, sometimes it crops up, and I have to say, whoa, hold on just a minute now. You know, that's, that's part of the flesh. We can't do that, and uh, that's what happened with David, and uh, so he had a little bit of problem with, temple, uh, with temper. He had a little bit of a problem with lust, okay, and, uh, of course, we, we know the story of him uh, with uh, Bathsheba, and he sinned. He 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 was supposed to go out in the uh, with his army, and he stayed back. That was number one. He went out and he saw a woman bathing, and he lusted after her. That was number two. He because he was king, he told her to come to my house. That was number three. They committed adultery. That was number four. Okay. He tried to cover the sin up. That was number five. And finally, he sent his he uh, he sent. Uh, Uriah, the Hittite, who was Bathsheba's husband, sent him to the front lines with a note to the general saying, put Uriah in the hottest part of the battle and let them, and withdraw your troops so that our enemies will kill him. So he committed murder. He he didn't do it himself, but he designed it. He was behind it. And so all of that, he, boy, he should have, you know, they should have taken him out and stoned him. And, uh, you can cover things up and you can hide, but you can't hide from God. He sees all. And, but he also, uh, he comes and presents it to David. Uh, David had a unique part of his spiritual life, though. When David was confronted with his sin, he immediately took care of it. He didn't let it linger on and linger on and linger on and linger on. You can see that as soon as it was brought to his attention that God knows what you've done and you deserve to die, David repented and asked God for forgiveness. Read Psalm um, uh, 50, 51, I believe it is, and that, that's part of that. And uh, so God comes to uh, David, well, through the prophet, and tells him, well, okay, you've repented, I have forgiven you. The child that's, the child that's produced between you and Bathsheba is going to die, but you're not. I will show you grace, and I will show you mercy. It says there's going to be trouble in your house from here on out, and from that point on, we saw that in David's life, he had nothing but problems in his household. All sorts of things happened to David. But there's also mercy involved. He allowed David's next son with Bathsheba, Solomon, to become king. Now, that wasn't how the line would go. It would usually go to the oldest son. How many oldest sons do we have? Okay. I'm not a no. I'm, I'm the baloney in the middle, so I wouldn't count. Uh, okay, if you were a, uh, uh, an elder son, the, all, everything would go to the elder son. That's the normal thing. But God sometimes would intervene. He says, okay, it's not going to be the elder son. It's going to be this other son. Okay, and God would intervene, and God intervened in this case. And it's actually God's mercy and God's grace. He says, I am going to let Solomon be the next king. Okay, so 2 Chronicles, the first chapter of 2 Chronicles, we see something about him. We're going to read that. That's just a little bit of background to where we're going. It says, and Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. Then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every governor in all Israel, chief of the fathers. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon. For there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses the servant of the Lord had made in the wilderness. But the ark of God had David brought up from Kirchath's dream, the place which David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Now remember, David wanted to build the temple, but because of all the different problems that he was having, God says, no, I'm not going to let you build it. I'm going to have your son build it. And so David prepared for that. He got all the stuff together for for Solomon. And um, you can read, it says, Moreover, the brazen altar, uh, the Beziel, the son of Uri." Uri The son of Hur had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord, and Solomon and the congregation sought unto it. And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. In that night did God appear unto Solomon, and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and he had. And has made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord, let thy promise unto David, my father, be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before the people. For who can judge this people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast thou asked long life, but hath asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there be any after thee have the like, then Solomon came from his journey to the high place that God was at Gibeon to Jerusalem from before the tabernacle of the congregation and reigned over Israel. Now, in another in, in another book, uh, it, it said that when he asked, he says, "I'm I'm I'm young. I don't I need wisdom because I, I can't you know I can't lead these people on the own, on, on my own. And so he had a heart for God and he asked for wisdom and knowledge, only wisdom and knowledge, not for the purpose of patting himself on the back and saying, hey, I'm really smart, I've got all this wisdom, I've got all this knowledge, but so that he could lead God's people the right way. And because that's what he asked for and why he asked for that, God says, I'm going to grant it to you. I'm going to give you knowledge and wisdom, but I'm also going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you that wealth. I'm going to give you that power. And um, we're told that Solomon was, was the wisest man that have ever lived, that there wasn't a king before him, there wasn't a king after him that had his wisdom, nor his wealth. When you read the story about Solomon, he had so much wealth, they couldn't, couldn't even catalog it all. It, it was like, it was like the, the dust on the ground. It was so much. Uh, everything he had. It was so. I mean, it was awesome. He just had so much wealth, and during his reign, there were no wars. As a matter of fact, the Queen of Sheba came to visit him because she had heard about him, and she came in and, and uh, uh, traveled, and he showed her around, and her response was, "I heard that you know you're a wonderful king. I've heard that your your servants uh, are happy." And they are, I've learned about your wealth, I've learned about the things. And she says, I've only seen half of what it's like. And so we we see that uh, Solomon got that. And so in his life, it is said that he had many, many proverbs, because he was a very wise man. He had many proverbs that he wrote down, and we can read those. As a matter of fact, if you would read a proverb a day, you could have one uh, for an entire month. You could have the book of Proverbs and there are comparisons and there are things that you could take to heart because this is the wisest man that lived. Okay? Now, he wasn't perfect because in his, in, his, in his later years, he married a lot of women and that wasn't too smart. He had a lot of wisdom, but he wasn't too smart. He did mention that it was better to live in the attic than in a broad house with a brawling woman. He also said that uh, being in a house with a contentious woman was like a rainy day, with the rain dropping. So he had some things to say about it. He was warned; God told him, "You know, you need to not do that." But he didn't listen. He had three hundred wives and seven hundred concubines. Now, concubines was like a wife. What it was was. Uh, a ruler would come, and so that they could stave off war, they would offer their daughters as wives. And so they were actually concubines. They were kind of like a wife, but they wasn't 100% like a wife. You know, there were some differences there, but he had a thousand women to deal with. He wasn't too smart. Very, very wise, but he wasn't too smart. Well, as far as that's concerned. And the Bible says they will draw, drive, draw you away from the Lord. And that's exactly what they did. He had, to, he had to build temples for them. And many of them weren't believers in Jehovah God. And he, bound up, he wound up worshiping in some of those temples with them. Okay, And so he wasn't perfect, but yet God used him in those Proverbs, and we can use those Proverbs, but he also used him in the Song of Solomon. He wrote the Song of Solomon, but he also wrote the book of of Ecclesiastes. So if you'll turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're we're not going to do the whole book tonight because there's 12 chapters. We wouldn't get out of here until midnight. We're only going to deal with one chapter, but I'm going to give you a little bit of background. We know that he wrote the book because in in verse number 1, of Ecclesiastes. He identifies himself, okay, and uh, we, he, in, in verse number 16, he talks about his unequaled wealth. Uh, in chapter number 2, he talks about opportunities for pleasure, and he had all the opportunities. He had excessive building activities, and, uh, and so on and so forth. So we know that Solomon is the one that wrote Ecclesiastes. And the word Ecclesiastes, when translated, is preacher. Okay? so he was the preacher and so he um he he through god through the holy Spirit had solomon write down some things and they had to do with the wisdom of this life okay uh, three things he covers actually three areas one of them is the area of uh oh how to put it um that the, the, the life has seemingly aimless cycles. You're born, you live, you work, you die. Born, you live, to work, to die. It seems like an endless cycle. It seems like, well, what's the use? Okay, so he talks about that. But he also talks about the fact that life is given by God. Therefore, we need to enjoy life because it's a gift from God. And then he talks about how it's important to live a holy life before God. And that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of different things in here. He, he, uh, he, he talks about the, the, the futility of the cycle that goes on. He talks about human wisdom and how it's, it's, it's fruitless. He has a phrase. Um, And starting in chapter number one, verse number one, he says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities. Now, who knows what vanity is? What's he talking about? Something that's worthless, okay? I don't know. You know, they they call the thing that someone sits down in front of and there's a mirror there. They call that a vanity. Maybe they they got that from then. You're looking into a mirror and it's worthless, you know. Uh, To me, I keep wondering who that old guy is that's in the mirror that keeps looking back at me. But uh, vanity of vanity. Notice he says, vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, he's writing this close to the end of his life. So he's looked back and seen the things that he has done, and he says, all is vanity. Now, remember, he had wisdom. He had great wisdom. Okay, He had wealth. He had great wealth. He had great knowledge. Almost every conceivable thing that you could, 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 could come up with, he could converse with you about. He had that knowledge, had that wisdom. Okay? Uh, he, you know, All sorts of things in his life. Uh, he, but yet he says it's all vain, it's all vanity, it's all worthless. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh? Under the sun. He asks the question. He says, all is vanity, so what profit do we have? And it's under the sun. And that's a phrase, as you're reading through it, you have to see it. But many times, that's the phrase that is used, under the sun. And in other words, on this life, in this life, but not in the life that God has for us for the future. But under this life, all is vanity. Okay, all means nothing. In other words, you can't take it with you. Okay, and so he talks about that. Um, he 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 talks about the pleasures of life. Oh, I want to go out and have a fun. Um, this past uh, this past Friday, I had to go, and um, one of my customers—I won't say which one—but one of my customers, I had to go to and work on it. And they had gone and had a birthday party, and uh, they had uh, they had uh, taken some uh, some spirits. Uh, to put it bluntly, some of them were, were rather intoxicated, okay? And they came back, and, and uh, they couldn't get any work done, okay? So I don't know what they did for the remaining two hours that they were there, but uh, they they were so plastered that they couldn't hardly do it. One of them hardly couldn't even stand up. She fell down. I had to help her up and told her, you know, you need to go and sit down. She finally went down and fell asleep, and uh, others were staggering around, and they were, you know, gibberish. They couldn't talk very clearly in, 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 in things. And I thought about it. I says, you know, they say, this is fun. No. Been there, done that, and it's not fun. I lived with a drunk. Okay? My father was a drunk. It's not, it's not fun. There's no joy in it. People think there is, but there isn't. How can you have joy when you get so plastered you don't even know what you're doing? You don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're doing. You have no uh, cognizance of of, of what's going on. And many times you wake up the next day, you feel miserable, your head hurts, your stomach hurts. Sometimes you have to spend the whole night down at the uh, porcelain throne uh, throwing up. And, oh, wow, I had a wonderful time. No, you didn't. And not only that, but all sorts of things happen as a result of it. Sometimes immorality comes in there, and they do, some, they do things that they may not have done had they not uh, partaken of the alcohol and got drunk. Uh, that happens. Sometimes they lose jobs. My father was a cement finisher. You know, He went and did cement work. If you drive down uh, uh, 101 and you go through the town of Ventura, my father did most of those bridges, Overpasses he was responsible for that he was good at what he did as a matter of fact i 'll say this he was good he could do it half drunk and do it better than some of the other people do it, but his drinking was so bad got so bad that he couldn 't hold it uh, companies wouldn 't hire him anymore. The latter few years of his life he had to just do odd jobs because big companies wouldn 't hire him because Uh, they couldn't depend on them. They would have thousands of dollars of concrete ready to pour and ready to be finished, and he'd be drunk and forget to show up. You can't have that. You can't do that very many times before a company says, okay, we don't want to use you anymore. Okay? Uh, uh, We did that. Uh, Our our, uh, family life was terrible. Uh, I never had a friend come over to my house because I never knew if my father was going to come in sober or drunk. And I knew that if he came in drunk... There would be problems because he either he either made problems for my mom or he made problems for me and so I never had anybody come over to my house because I didn't want to expose them to that we couldn't sit down for a family meal because of that okay my father did some things that' just disgusting I wouldn't have anybody have to do but I had to do them I had to learn how to to roll a drunk how many of you know what it means to roll a drunk nobody knows Okay, Brad knows what it means to roll a drunk. It means that they're so drunk that they don't know what to do, and you roll them over so that you can get their wallet and get the money out. That's what it means to roll a drunk. I had to learn how to do that when I, when I was a young teenage boy, 13, 14 years old. I had to do that because he would he would make good money, but he would get so drunk that he'd spend it all or give it all away. And so I would have to, when he would come home, right after payday, I would have to go in and I would have to, get him asleep, and then roll him over, get his wallet out, and get the money out, and give it to my mom so she could pay the bills. And he didn't even know. He'd get up the next day, and he didn't know where the money went to. Okay, And uh, I can just tell you some things that are just disgusting. So the drink is not pleasurable. It may be to uh, starting with the flesh and gives you a buzz and everything, but the end isn't what it leads to. And many homes have been wrecked and ruined. Many marriages have been wrecked and ruined because of drink. Okay, and uh, uh, lives. Matter of fact, we even thought that he probably died drunk. He did. Fortunately, he died a sober man at work. But he died early because it has rav- ravages on the body, and uh, his heart gave way. And uh, a very young man. He was in his 50s when he died. Okay. And uh, very very terrible. Well, uh, uh, the pleasures and Solomon deals with the pleasures of sin, and he says it's vanity. All is vanity. He says that wealth, uh, getting wealth, and uh, you know people will go after that almighty dollar. Now we understand that it takes money to live. Okay, we have got to have money to turn the lights on and put the air conditioner on. Praise God, it's been paid. Okay, even the church we have to have we have to have money. But the scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself because money has to be, you know, we have to have that. Even Jesus told uh, the disciples, he says, go out fishing and you'll catch a fish and, and uh, this fish that you'll catch will have some money in its mouth and you can pay our taxes. And they did that. They went out and they caught a fish and sure enough, there was some money, there was a coin in the fish's mouth and it was enough to pay the taxes. So, you know, we know that. And uh uh, there's nothing wrong with, with with having that, but if that's the goal in life, it's vanity of all vanities, Solomon says. It, it, it's a waste. He could he should know because he had it all. But he says it, it's vain. That doesn't make you happy. Matter of fact, I uh, we had the uh, uh, last Wednesday we had some quotes of some of the wealthiest men in the world, and uh, their comments were, "I'm not happy." I've got all this money, but I'm not happy. He says, I've got all this money and it means nothing to me. Even Henry Ford said, I, I'd rather be a mechanic on the car than, than the owner of the company. Uh, and so Solomon, you know, he deals with that. Uh, he deals with uh, uh, materialism, getting things, things, things. We all have to have things. You know, um, my, 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 my phone, uh, my phone even isn't, I forgot, forgot my phone. I don't even have to turn it off. I've got to have a new phone. I gotta have a new. I gotta have a new computer. I gotta have a new television. I gotta have a new, this, and I've gotta have this, and I've gotta have this, and I gotta have this, and I gotta have this. No, we don't. We don't have to have those things. There are some things that are necessary for life, but we don't have to have all of the things that we think that we have to have. I remember my girls. Uh, you know, when they, when they were getting up, they oh needed needed a car. Yeah, we got to have a car so we can go down to the mall. I said, no, you don't need a car to go down to the mall. The bus station's right down there. It's only 50 cents. You can walk down to the corner, grab the bus, takes you to the mall, and when you're time to come home, get the bus and come on home. And I said, you know, you don't need that. Now, eventually, we got our daughter a, a uh, we had a Volkswagen car, and I, and, uh, I kind of gave it to her. I made her pay me a little bit for it, and I kept it up, and then she had some automobiles. But, you know, we think we've got to have the newest thing that's out there. No, we don't. You know, we need to be thankful for what we do have. Uh, I, I, I've told this story before. You know, when the uh, little trucks, the little Ford Courier trucks came out, I just had to have one. Okay, I was a youth pastor. And I thought, boy, I can have that, and I made excuses. Well, if, I, if we get this little truck out here, I can haul teenagers in it. Well, how many teenagers can you get in the back of a small little truck because they were small? But, you know, in my mind, I can do that. Oh, you fit 27 in there. Yeah, With legs hanging out and hands thingy. <laughs> but yeah. but um, I think, oh, I've got to have that. Um, my wife was pregnant with, with our son. And I says she's got to, you know, I've got to have a second car because if she goes into labor, she'll have to have a car to take her down to the hospital. We had a, a pinto, a pinto wagon, four on the floor. So here she is, you know, nine months pregnant, and she goes into labor. She's going to drive a four-speed to the hospital? I don't think so. But in my mind, oh, I've got to have that. It's lust of the flesh, you know, lust of the eyes. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And I got it. And then uh, several months down the road, I'm praying. I said, oh, God, please get somebody to come and buy this thing. Come, let, let me sell this thing. Let me get rid of it. I, I don't need this payment. I don't need this headache. Uh, I didn't carry any young people in the back of it because it just wasn't that big a car to do that. But uh, what, what we're trying to say is materialism, things that we think we have to have. The Bible tells us having food and clothing to be content." That's all we really need is food and clothing. All the rest of the stuff, it's not that it's wrong, but if that's what we're striving after, saying that we've got to have, then it's wrong. If we say, okay, I don't need this, but if God wants to give it to us, then praise the Lord, we'll take it. Uh, well, well, you know, but uh, we don't need it. And so he deals with that. He deals with the order of events, how things happen. Okay? He deals uh, with the fact that you know God... Gives us life, uh, and then the the latter part he begins to deal with uh, our living. What happens uh, with our living? So I want us to turn to the eleventh chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're almost finished. Okay, uh, he he gives he gives counsel. Okay, and this is the count. He says can't. Um, um, he starts off with, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. This was actually a nautical uh, idea of someone at, down that had uh, stuff uh, for uh, um, you know, ships and things. And it was the idea of, of uh, you know, doing a little bit of things to, to try to get things to come in. He says, Give a portion to seven and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if there, if the tree fell toward the south or towards the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. And it, that sounds well. That what what sense does that? But he's trying to show that there are some things that we cannot control. And if we wait around and don't do anything, we accomplish nothing. Okay, that's what the catching the bread on the water, sharing it with other people. If we don't do anything, we accomplish nothing. And, then he, and uh, uh, you know, things just happen. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. It says if we get it, If we're living in fear and we say, oh, man, the wind is blowing, I'm not going to go out and do my work now. Or, oh, you know, it's rainy, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to stay inside, work dry. He says, we'll never accomplish anything. Okay, and life is short. Uh, Verse number five, he says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh it all. He says, you don't know what God is doing. So to sit around and do nothing... Okay? You don't know what God is doing in your life. So you just you need to live. Remember one of the things that that Solomon talks about is the fact that life God's the one that gives us life and we're to enjoy that life. Okay? And not be afraid of what's going on going to happen because we don't know what's going to happen. You and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Now I've got plans tomorrow. I know that if If everything goes right and I wake up at the right time and everything goes the way it's planned, I'm going to run down to one of my customers and I'm going to fix their computer that hasn't gone offline and they haven't been able to go online for a long time. If that gets fixed, I'm going to go and help a lady get her emails reestablished. And if that works out okay, I'm going to go and and do a couple of other things around the church, uh, go and uh, make the deposits for the church, and then we're going to have prayer meeting at 630. Now, that's what my plans are. But I don't know for sure exactly what's going to take place. Do you? No, we don't know. Maybe the, rapture. the rapture may take place and then everything that I've planned is gone. Or something, may, something else may happen. We don't know. Okay? And that's what he's saying. He says, You know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so, you know, live your life and trust God. Uh, verse number seven says, Truly the light is sweet. And pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. Oh, I, I think that, you know, when we get up in the morning, that's one of the best things we can have. We get up, so, oh, praise the Lord, there's the sun. <laughs> I can see it. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm alive again. You know, people ask, you know, how you doing? Well, Brother, brother Dan says, I'm, you know, better than what I deserve. Sometimes I say, well, I'm vertical and mobile. You know, praise God for that. Okay? But you never know what's going to happen. Okay? And then we get to the crux of the whole thing. Verse number 9. Verse number 9. Well, actually, in verse number 8, it says, But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many, all that cometh is vanity. Rejoice, O young man. So young men and young ladies. He says, Rejoice, young man in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes, but know thou that all these things God will bring thee into judgment. The one thing that we need to consider, he tells us to live life, okay, because that's a gift that he's given us, but he also warns us that judgment will come. So be careful how we Live that life, okay? And he's already told you. Well, you know, the, the the racing for wealth is vanity. Racing for many women is vanity. He ought to know the thousand women in his household. You know, racing for uh, all of the for for all these uh, uh, things is vanity. Okay? He's already told us that. But he says, go ahead and live your life, but make sure that you live it for God, because it is all in vain, and the judgment is coming. You will be judged. Uh, David thought he could get away with his sins. He didn't get away with them. Solomon thought he could get away with his sins. He didn't get away with them. There are those that think, oh, I can get away with my sins. No, judgment comes someday. There was a preacher, I think it was uh, uh, Gypsy Smith, I think, was the preacher that, that preached the message one time, and that was payday someday. Payday someday. It always comes. Payday comes someday. And so, uh, if you live live a wild life, it's going to come back to get you. Okay, it will come back to get you. Okay, and then he goes on there. Uh, Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Okay, so he said, "Well, I'm young. I can do whatever I want to." No, You're, you you got to be careful. And then he goes on on chapter number 12. And that's actually the crust of the whole thing. He says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh. So he says to you that are young, he says, you need to live your life, but you need to also remember your creator now, because the days will come with age. The days come not. For the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. Now he begins to talk about, and he's using euphemisms, the keepers of the house shall tremble. Those are the hands and the legs. He's talking about what happens in old age. In other words, you need to do things while you're young because the days will come when uh, the legs and the arms begin to fail. Anybody have their legs fail? Okay, Brother Dan knows what it means, don't you? When all of a sudden the legs just won't hold you up anymore. They're the keepers of the house. The arms won't function anymore. Okay, it happens. You see people walking around in you know, walkers, and that's because the legs have failed. Okay, What can you do then? Not a whole lot. You can still pray. Okay. Uh, so they uh, tremble. And the strong men shall bow themselves. Okay. So in other words, you, you, you got the strength now. Use it now. I've got the strength, and I start to do something. I go, oh, boy. We've got a tortoise. Okay. Now, we, he's how old? He's 16 years old. Okay. I have a picture when we bought him. It's in Cheryl's hand, and he's right in the palm of her hand about the size of a silver dollar. He's 16 years old. I can't pick him up anymore. He's so big and so heavy, I can't pick him up. Um, uh, you know, if, if he's out around and there's nothing around him, I might be able to pick him up just high enough that I can get him in a wheelbarrow. He, uh, We have a pond in our backyard, and it doesn't have any water in it because I, I have to clean it all out. We went there, and he's in the pond the other day. He's down at the bottom of the pond. Somehow he went over the rocks and down in the pond. Cheryl calls me up and says, Alex is in the pond. "Uh Uh-oh. We had to call my son-in-law and say, when you get off work, can you come over to our house and get Alex out of the pond? Because I can't do it anymore. I could not get him out of that pond. Now, in my mind, I could. But no, the body says, no. There's some things I just can't do anymore. Okay. Uh, when it says that the grinders cease because they are few. What are the grinders? Those are the teeth. Now, back in this day, they didn't have dentists like we have dentists today. You know, when you have a dentist and tooth, you lose a tooth, you go down to the dentist and, you know, they can put something back in your mouth. They even got it now where they'll drill a little hole in there and, and they'll screw something in there and then screw a new tooth in there. They even, I haven't done it to me because I don't trust dentists. Anybody put, puts their hands in my mouth, I don't trust them. They lie. They say, this isn't going to hurt. It hurts. Um, but, um, you know, I'm just reading the things that they have. They didn't have that. And so when they lost their teeth, <laughs> you know, after a period of time, if they lost too many of them, they lost the ability to, to, to grind things up and eat things. And um, I, I can identify with that. I've lost a few teeth now. And there's some things that I have to be careful on how I eat it, how I bite down on it, because there's no tooth there for it to grind up. Okay, so he's talking about old age. The grinders ceased because they are few. And those that look out of the windows be darkened. What do you suppose the windows are talking about? The eyes. The eyes. Now, some of us, you know, we have eye problems already. We're having to wear glasses. And I've worn glasses. I've needed glasses ever since I was a little kid. I've got pictures of me when I was... Three years old, and you could tell that there was something wrong with my eyes, and it wasn't until I was in the first grade that somebody discovered I needed glasses, okay, but I need, needed them far before that, so I've had to live with glasses practically all my life, but this is talking about when you get older, you start having more eye problems, okay, and again, they didn't have optometrists back in those days to help them, and so there came a time when they would lose sight lose sight. They didn't have glasses. So if cataracts came along, that was it. They wouldn't be able to see anything. Okay, so he's talking about that. The day may come when the the um, the grinders are few and you can't look out of the windows because it's darkened. The doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. And he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. This is talking about not being able to sleep well. Okay? Sleep is lost. The pace has lost some sleep. Hadn't been able to sleep for a couple of nights, and, and she didn't feel up to being in church today. Have you ever gone to some nights where you didn't have you didn't get very much sleep? Yeah. I'm there, I've got a little thing on my watch that tells me how much sleep that I get. It ranges between three and seven. Some nights I only get three hours worth of real good sleep, and sometimes I get seven. sometimes I just wonder, I fall asleep, and all of a sudden I'm awake, and I wonder, what, what's going on here? And I look at my clock, and it's three o'clock? I just went to bed an hour and a half ago. What's going on here? And you know, and, um, uh, you know the, the sound, the little bit of the sound wakes us up. And it uh, bothers us. Um, it says, The music of the daughter shall uh, be brought low. It's talking about the hearing. The hearing begins the loss of hearing. Anybody, anybody in here is losing a little bit of hearing? Uh huh. What, what'd you say? Okay. Uh, my hearing is still relatively good, but yes, there's some things I cannot hear, it, uh, especially if we're in the room and, and we're listening to the TV and I'm doing something and. And in the, in the, in the little uh, dryer or the washer goes ding. I can't hear it. He says, did you hear that? No, I didn't hear that. And my wife says, didn't you hear that noise? I said, no, I didn't hear that noise. Okay, the hearing begins to go. The eyes begin to go. The legs begin to go. Oh, my goodness. What, what, what's happening here? Now, some of you, you young folks, you say, hey, you know, yeah, yeah. But it happened to you if the Lord waits any period of time, the time will come when the age of the body will begin to fall apart. okay, It will happen. Um, Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and all almond trees flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and the desire shall fail, but because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. In other words, um, you know, how many of you remember that commercial? I've fallen and I can't get up. No, I've been there. I've fallen and I can't get up. I've had it a couple times where I, I fell down and hit the concrete, and I for uh, 20 minutes I couldn't get up. I just couldn't get up. And now when I fall, you know, it's it's, it's a process of getting up. It's not easy. Uh, uh, Dan fell. He fell. Fell and hit himself on the table. Of course, he was riding a bicycle, so that told him, you know bicycles are dangerous. You know, but um, yeah, fallen. And so what happens as we get older? I don't climb on houses anymore. Used to boy, is something wrong? I'll get up there on the roof. We'll fix the roof. Uh, we where we were living in Fair Oaks uh, when we first came to this church years ago. Uh, I needed some help doing roofing on my house. And so Pastor and some of the folks came to the church and came and helped to do the, the, the roof over there. Pastor put his foot through the roof. Okay, He stepped on a, and they had used, instead of using five-eighths plywood, they used quarter-inch plywood, and it was old and rotten, and he stepped it, and his foot went right through the roof. So we had to go and tear that off and put five-eighths back on it and everything. But uh, I don't get up on the roof anymore. Uh, We have to do some roofing over here at the Parsonage, and I drew the line. My wife drew the line for me. I was already about to, but I was thinking, well, maybe I can get up on the ladder and get up on this little part, and she says, oh, no, you can't. Oh, no, you can't. I I don't want to get up there. Why? Because I fall down now, and I don't want to fall down from up on the roof because that could be pretty dangerous. A preacher back east that the, uh, the, the Rogers know fell from on the roof. On the ladder and fell off, hurt his back. Now he's paralyzed. I don't want that. So that's what that's talking about. What happens when we're afraid of heights and fears? Older people, all sorts of things, all sorts of fears they get. It says the grasshopper, it's a burden, and a those small little noises that go along are, 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 are a burden. It says uh, the, uh, the desires shall fall. Okay, that's talking about a husband and wife relationship, it begins to go away. And it's a burden. And uh, they're preparing for the long house. And the mourners go about in the streets. In other words, uh, you know, the the time is coming when their life will be over. Over or over the silver cord be loosed or the golden bowl be broken and the pitcher be broken at the fountain and the wheel broken at the cisterns. All references to death. Okay? Okay. Right now, when you're young, you're thinking, man, you've got all your life ahead of you. And you do. But you'll find out that it goes very quickly. Uh, Nowadays, the year passes by very, very fast. Okay? Very, very quickly. And uh, uh, it it won't be uh, long before that will happen to you. Okay. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto the God that gave it. Okay? And so he's saying, uh, we back it up to uh, verse number 1 of chapter number 12. He says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Why you still have the strength? Why you still have the eyesight? Why you still have the hearing? Why you, you know, still have the adventure? Why you still have the challenges? And, and, uh, 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 and you're not afraid of some of these things. You go out and you just trust God to do things. Do it now, because the day will come where you will be limited what you can do. As we get older, we're limited. Okay? Even in ministry, we're limited what we can do. Uh, we could go out, a pastor and I could go out, and we could spend hours and hours out knocking doors. We can't do that anymore. We don't have the physical strength to do it anymore. Pastor just replaced his hips, replaced his knee. He can't walk very far for very long periods of time. I can't walk very far for very long periods of time. Used to construction. We could go out and we could build things and do all sorts of things and and make things. We can't do that anymore. We have to get people to come and do it for us because we can't do it anymore. I would make the repairs on the house over there. I spent two weeks and it almost killed me. Every day I came home and, man, I hurt all over from the top of my head down to the bottom. I had calluses on my knees, calluses. I still got some calluses on my knuckles from crawling around. And I in my knuckles all the way down to where they were bleeding. And I said, what did I get myself into? Why do I volunteer for these things, you dummy? I'm getting older and older and older. And as I get older, I'm beginning to have limitations of what I can do. There's some things I can't remember. Any of you have a memory problem? I have so much up here that my problem is I have so much, it's, it's clouded up here, and so I just have a hard time retrieving things. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and somebody asked me somebody's name, and I was like, I don't know. And then in the middle of the night, it comes to me. So-and-so, if that happens, okay, that's part of our old age. And so our limitations... It doesn't mean that we can't do anything for God, but we're limited. Okay? And so he says to you young men, young ladies, okay, serve God now. Be right with God now, because the days will come when you, you, know, you will be limited. And then he says this in conclusion. It's vanity of vanity to all is vanity. He says, and and moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. And the preacher sought to find out acceptable words. And that which was written was upright and words of truth. And the words of the wise are goads and nails fastened by the master of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. He says, when... All, us older people get up and we begin to preach, and we give you some wisdom they're like they should be like nails that nail and, and hold things in place because we've been there, done that, got the t-shirt have some regrets, some things we could have done and should have done, and we didn't do, and then there's some things we did we shouldn't have done and so why as your parents and older folks will give you some wisdom, listen to it because it will save you from some heartache and will save you from problems in your life. Well, he comes down and he says this. Um, He says, uh, uh, further, by these, my son, be admonished. The making of many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. True, true, true. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He ends up his whole life because this is the last thing we hear from Solomon other than the Song of Solomon, and that was written earlier. Uh, He he concludes with these things. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He says, I've lived my life. I've tried all of these different things. I've tried these things, and it's all vanity. Your whole duty is to fear God and keep His commandments. If you fear God and keep His commandments, you will make wise choices while you're young. And you will accomplish many things for God. And you will be a blessing and you will be blessed. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The, the days will come if the Lord tarries 50 years from now, most of us that are here will be gone and we uh, will be with the Lord. Okay, the Young folks, 50 years from now, you'll still be carrying along, but you'll look back and you'll see what happened in those 50 years, whether or not you served God and whether or not they were fruitful or whether or not it was vain, vanity, imperfection. Oh, what a horrible state to look back and say, oh, my life was empty. I didn't accomplish anything for God. By the way, no one has ever, ever said I accomplished too much for God. No one's ever said that. It's always been, I could have done more, but I didn't. I missed opportunities, but I didn't. I was too afraid to step out by faith and and trust God, and so I didn't accomplish this and I should have. Don't let that happen to you. And we who are approaching those ages where all these things are falling apart, we need to keep on doing what we can for the Lord to the best of our abilities. realizing that we can't do everything that we used to. We do have limitations now, but we need to be faithful at what we can do. Close with this thought. I had a lady, and I've mentioned her before, but she was such a blessing to me. We were pastoring out in Palmdale, a little church out there. Her name was Mrs. Apple. She's gone on to be with the Lord now because this was many years ago. This was back in 75, yeah, 74, 75, and 76. Okay. Mrs. Apple was never able to come to church. She was all crippled up in her old age. She couldn't get out, and she couldn't go and knock doors. She couldn't go to the ladies' meetings or the ladies' function. She was, she was pretty much house-ridden. Okay? But Mrs. Apple, she said, I can't do anything, but I can pray. I can pray. And Mrs. Apple would pray. She would go through the telephone book, and she would pray for everyone in, that, in Palmdale. She would, she would pray for them. Everyone everyone she found in the phone book, she would pray for them. She prayed for her pastor. She prayed for her church. She prayed. She was a prayer warrior. She found that even though she was housebound and couldn't do physically anything in her old age, she could still pray. She could still pray. So we older ones, let's make sure that we don't give up, but we keep on serving the Lord. Keep on serving the Lord and do what we can to the best of our ability because that, too, will be judged someday. Someday we'll stand before the Lord and we'll have to give an account. What did you do? Well, you know, I was past 60, so I couldn't do anything. And he's going to say, oh, no, there's things you could do. You just didn't do them. You didn't try. Young people you'll stand before the Lord, and you'll say, well, I had my life, I was young, and I had my life, I had to sow my wild oats. And God says, yeah, and I gave you a a harvest too, and you had to live with it. And you missed out on this blessing, and this blessing, and this blessing, and this blessing, because you didn't put me first in your life. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. For, For any of us, help us to be able to stand before the Lord when that day comes, and Have him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I gave you this, and you multiplied